podcasting here boys hey guys thank you so much for joining us here on the raised rowdy podcast hey, so welcome hello. we have mike and the moon pies today which is really fucking great and this is like our first on location live podcast how cool is that yeah, we have nice. a studio audience that they're going wild out there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah all right boots we could uh we could rent this space for like maybe an hour and then that would be our entire budget. Yeah, we're We'd down here at the close the company. Country Politan at the Hotel Indigo. Yeah. Um what a beautiful space. Yeah, Are you guys awesome, staying man. close to around here this yeah, weekend? I'm staying on the fifteenth floor, baby. Nice. What yeah. uh room number? <laughs> <laughs> Some of our female guests are uh, listening. No. Um I've never gone from not knowing who a band is at all to interviewing them so fast. <laughs> so no pressure here, guys. But um, I was um, doing a photo shoot recently and a buddy and I, we, were, we put on the new Flatland track came out and we're like, let's listen to it. And we're taking photos. And then the next song came on was one of y'all songs and we we're shooting, shooting. And I stopped and I went, damn, this is awesome. This is so good. <laughs> and and, and my buddy Keller was like, yeah, man, this is really cool. What is this? And we looked at the computer and my girlfriend in the room goes, hey, that's awesome. What are y'all listening to? <laughs> and it was y'all. And I've heard your names like thrown out a lot. Everyone's like, these are the guys to check out, check out. But I kind of get in these ruts where like, I just don't listen to music sometimes. Same. Mm, you ever get yeah, that way? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. going through it right now, man. Man, I, and first of all, I love y'all's music, but I secondly love it because it kind of broke me out of that. I hate music. I don't listen to music all the time thing. And I was just kind of like, it reminded me of when you're a kid and you find something new for the first time and you like, and you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I've, I've been diving in. This is probably less than a week ago now, I think. Yeah, only a few days. Yeah, for um, sure. And I'll, I was lambasted uh, by all the people on the internet when I said I didn't know who y'all were. They're like, where the fuck have you been, <laughs> man? Like, What's wrong with you? Yeah. And um, I know- <laughs> yeah, so I feel dumb because I didn't I didn't know who y'all were, but I know now, and we're here to spread the gospel of Mike the Moon Pies. So yeah. thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank God for that Spotify it. algorithm, man. That really yes. worked out. Well, it was iTunes, but <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> they both work great. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've been a fan. I, I started diving into your guys' stuff probably like 2015. I went down like the red dirt wormhole and uh, and just like started like being like what is this and why doesn't this sound like everything else that they're trying to shove down my throat you know <laughs> so it's super cool and i love like the kind of like retro vibes that you guys have like it sounds like it's something that's recorded modern and it has that red dirt scene but it also has that like that old school vibe to it and i think that's super cool yeah man i'd, I'd never really even thought about it as a red dirt thing ever like when we started yeah. doing it like i when, when we started this band i hated that what I didn't hate, but I just wasn't like uh, attuned to their whole red dirt thing that just yeah. wasn't in my mind at all, you know. What red dirt artist do you hate? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just you. kidding. I'll tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my little book out yeah. here. <laughs> and I think like in Nashville now, like what's in vogue is like the 90s country thing coming back. Um, but y'all's retro sounds, it, it reminds me more of like 70s stuff. It's even older, kind of than like even some of the stuff like the harmonies and stuff. I'm like, 
whoa, like these guys know more chords than four. You know, it's like, <laughs> this reminds me of like, it's like country disco or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can see, what's that John Travolta movie? I know that was in the 80s, but um, Urban Cowboy Urban or something. Cowboy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like more set like a. I mean, I would, dude, I used to be like infatuated with the whole Urban Cowboy thing. Cool. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, so like my that. ears were accurate, hopefully. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I, I was a fan of the band before I joined. And uh, and like people always tell me, it's like they kind of have that same like response of like, oh, well, you know, you have this like old school sound. And I kind of like been able to narrow it down to. Uh, uh, what I what I liked about the band a lot, and I still like about the band, is that the band's been able to take these like really cool elements of the great eras of country music, and then just like put it all into one. It's like yeah. you kind of hear a little snippet of of like every cool little era that's or you know era of country music. And one thing that you mentioned too is this: like you say, it's a band. Um, I think that comes through so much more like in the production of everything because some of the stuff that's on the record, like you can't get that stuff like in a traditional like Nashville session where it's like everything's by the hour, you know, it's like, you don't have time to like do like all the pre-production for a record. Which uh, like, to me, when I hear the stuff, I'm like, I'm hearing like pedal steel harmonized with like lead guitar. It's like, maybe you could do that a little bit on some stuff, but not to like the level of intricacy that you guys are doing. Well, that Especially definitely- with all like the, you know, you guys have like more advanced harmonies and stuff. That, that, that became our thing. And I don't know if we intended on that to be the thing at all, but like, uh, we, you know, Kat and Zach started doing all these steel and guitar harmonies. And then we, you know, it was like every lick that we were playing, like, well, let's harmonize that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. man, I grew up on Metallica and like, cause they have all the guitar harmonies like crazy, you know, on the older stuff too. And I, I've always loved that. And so now that I'm more in the country world, it's like, I, that stuff like pulls at my heartstrings. I'm like, I love that sound. It's so cool. Yeah. I can't, we can't pass it up anymore. It's kind of like that, uh, Dave Murray and, uh, Adrian Smith guitar harmonies on Iron Maiden music videos. Yes, yes absolutely, yeah. man. Well, we just don't have twin fiddles. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so do you, did you guys do like, maybe you can speak to this, Adam. Um, were you guys doing a lot of like pre-production when you came in or is it like you have the songs and kind of figure it out? Like, I think when, when, I know when I came along was the live record, uh, Live at the Windstar. And that was kind of, and that's honestly when I met everybody and met Mike. And that was the idea of, okay, we're going to capture the band live, but also the band, like, here's what we can do live. And so everybody listened to that. And then we immediately, like the day we met, we started talking about what became the Steak Night at the Prairie Rose record, which was Mike is going to come in with his song. And then we are all just going to sit there and work on the parts and put it together and like arrange it and then go in and record it. And knowing what the band could do, um, I walked into it being like, okay, no matter what with this record, and now we've done it with every record, we might sprinkle a little extra overdubs, but the whole record, we need to be able to play it live together. So as we're playing it in the studio... Yeah. We're also going to do this live every night. And we might go off on a couple solos and stuff like that. But it's just like what you hear on the record, you're going to hear when you go see the band live. And that was kind of important to us. And then it was like, as it developed, it was also like, how can we impress each other? And like, and then harmonize and counter yeah. melodies and all that sort of stuff. So like writing for the live show. Yeah, pretty it, much. I've been, I mean, like we did the dance hall thing for so long that like it became like I was, anything I was going to write had to be fitting in that show. Right. It was like, keep um, on the floor. You know what I mean? I mean, I started to write things about like, here's how I want to start the show. Here's how I want to end the show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would write to, I'd write to the show 100%. 
I love that because a lot of times, like on Nashville records, there's like cool sounds. You know, like if you <clears throat> if you pull out like a Jay Joyce record and go down through all the stems, it's like, what the fuck is that? How <laughs> yeah. am I going to play this live? It's like some like guitar like hitting a gong or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what I love about y'all's record is like. Sounds awesome. It's it's full. <laughs> it does sound awesome. But like the Mike Moonpie stuff, it's like everything is it's so simple. Like the production is so simple and but it's like everything fits together like a puzzle piece. It's like verse one has the you know, it's guitar fills, and then verse two is like the steel, but in the chorus is like there's a call and response between those two in between the vocals and everything fits just just right. There's definitely a period after that we finish a record where, like, now we've got to learn how to play that record. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> a little bit. Um, that it, revisiting after after you haven't played it for a while, you, you revisit it and you're like, oh yes. man, hell yeah! Like, why did I play that hard <laughs> shit on there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on stage drunk. So I gotta be able to just it. I'm always telling Adam, I'm like, hey, can you like give me some mixes of just steel so I can? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Man, we do that with like the Luke stuff. It's like we get stems so we can learn whatever parts. Yeah, dude. But you'd have to. I'm hearing a lot of like, you know, like obviously on most like modern country stuff, there's like a wall of acoustics and tambourines and stuff like that, like a big wall of sound. But I feel like there's so much more space in y'all's music too. Yeah, I mean, on that Steak Night record, I like intentionally did not play any acoustic guitar on that it, record. Yeah. And so I'm listening to it and I go, why does this sound different? I, I feel like I'm like when I have my headphones on, it's like, I could picture myself like seeing like four dudes sitting there playing it. And yeah. it's not like there's like a 12 string and a high strung and a mandolin, right. you know, that kind of like squashed sound that it's everything is so sparse, I guess, in some yeah. way. It feels that way, which means it's like you have to be able to, you have to be really good to play that way. Yeah. There's so no like safety net of that. Everything is like so parted out, you know, like. Um, if we have, we have like a, sometimes if somebody can't make it, we have a filling guy or something will come in and like, they're always like, man, I can't just like do this as like a bar band country gig. I got to like learn Absolutely the parts and yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it becomes very important to the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. It fills most of the space or the parts. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to do your homework for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sorry about that guys that are filling in. <laughs> I think that's a part of it too, though, is like that. I remember like when Kurt like first found you guys and we were like chatting through it. Like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember no, that. It wasn't, wasn't super Four long ago. hours ago. <laughs> sorry, by the way. No, but I was listening to you on the way over here. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what like led this podcast to happen was like Kurt liked it so much. He shared it on a story and that's how your publicist, like, I guess, or whoever found out that Kurt was a fan, you know? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, do you want to do a podcast with Mike and the Moon Pies? I was like, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, especially being in Nashville, like, bands that are not in Nashville frequently, like, that's just a hard thing to pull sure. off, right? Because yeah. Kurt's on the road. I have a day job. Charlie has a day job, our producer. So it's like, how do we line that up? Perfect yeah. on a holiday weekend. It couldn't know? have been any better. No, yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> like right the, timing, away. the timing was perfect. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it took you forever because it worked out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about your guys' most recent record? So you guys just dropped a record in August. And um, why don't you tell us about the origins of that and like how it came to be and then how it's been received so far? Um, the one to grow on record, I was... <sighs> You know, it was, it was kind of, we had finished this Gary Stewart record while we were in like early pandemic time. Right. Because mm -hmm. we had like, we had started that record and then the, and when everything shut down, um, we all kind of got home studio gear and just basically finished that record, you know, apart from each other and we yeah. sending parts back and stuff like that. Because now Pro Tools, you know, you can send everything between everybody. And so we were kind of made that record that way. Um, 
and you know, then it just kept going <laughs> to where we were staying home. So I was writing a lot. Uh, you know, I wasn't on the road. So no normally I do most of our stuff is written like kind of road dog songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was I was in a whole new world where I wasn't really writing that anymore. Uh, and so it felt a little more uh, more like a songwritery record than it did like a you know the stuff I was writing yeah. felt that way. So really, I mean. Like I said, you know, like I said, I didn't play any acoustic guitar on Steak Night, right? But this one is like, these are acoustic guitar songs, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm writing like songwriter songs. So uh, we started that record and basically since we all had that, that Gary Stewart album, home studio stuff, we started the same process. It was like a weird pre-production thing where we were just sending songs around to each other. And we kind of did pre-production apart from each other. And then until we could get in the studio to, yeah. to cut. And so... Yeah, everybody's coming up with these cool ideas and stuff like that, you know, and and Kat and Zach are sending, you know, just solo ideas and opening lick ideas. And from that, then it's like Mike and I are talking and it's like, well, what if we change the chords to these, you know, and try this for this? And then when we first got into the studio, we've got a studio in, in Wimberley called Yellow Dog Studio. So access anytime we need it and you kind of camp out there and cook, everybody sleeps there and stuff. And quarantine. So, and, yeah. and quarantine, uh, yeah, in October. Uh, but right out of freeze. As we were, <laughs> yeah, man. But as we were going through, we were cutting a bunch of the songs, demoing them. But instead of stuff that we probably would have done on the road, we took it home and then we'd come back in with a completely different groove idea and a completely just like, how do we approach it differently? This is cool, but what else can we do? It's and the, so, we definitely have like so many different versions of pretty much every song. Yeah, like Rainy Day is one of those that has like five different versions of it. Yeah, and what's crazy is that I think also the Cheap Silver and Solid Country Gold record, we wrote that in a week because we knew we had to send it to my studio partner, Dave, to write the string arrangements for the symphony. And... That was like we were trying and experimenting a lot of stuff and, and we were trying different groove ideas and, and just all different ways to do that. So that was already in our head that it doesn't like, once the song is written, it doesn't have to be played this one way. Let's try this groove. Let's try that. And I really like to like listen to just random records and be like, hey, what's, what about this idea? And try this, guys, and shoot that off. And so that's kind of how we approach this is like we don't have a time limit. We don't have a date this record has to drop. So let's make sure these are like the coolest ways we can do this song Which and we'll have fun with. But came to me kind of a double-edged sword of like I was getting way too deep into <laughs> like, it's like, man, that's not going to work anymore. More didgeridoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was just like writing and rewriting and writing and Dude. rewriting and then you're like editing and just, you just, I way was, too fucking deep in way, it. So deep. I was like, dude, like there's songs that like I had written and I was just like, I threw the whole thing away and started over. And I was like, well, that chord, that one chord change was good. Maybe I'll keep that and just start cool. over with this whole thing, dude. So, I mean, there was, it, sometimes I think about that record and think like, man, those songs when they started, maybe it was better. <laughs> first time, <laughs> you know first I mean? time was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. grass is always greener, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, speaking of recording studios, I have to ask you guys, tell me about Abbey Road. Tell us that whole thing because I'm a Beatles fan and I've been in London. I've taken my selfie out front and that's got to have been as so As a country cool. band that's recorded there, no other country band should ever record there. <laughs> okay, ever. great. That's awesome. So tell me why. <laughs> because we did it. Because we did it. Oh. Uh, we yes. already did it. It's not new. No, nah, dude. It was like, uh, you know, we, we had gone over there because we had like a festival show in France and a festival show in Italy. And we were there for two weeks. 
and the, the festival's paid for our flights, you know what I mean? So we're like, well, if we're ever going to make this record, this is, this is what we're going to do it. You know what I mean? We could at least save some money on travel over there. So was it like some, like, at least quasi-spontaneous that you decided to record it at Abbey Road? Well, Adam can, yeah. t- t- can speak to that. It happened quickly. <laughs> so, yeah, it all came together. So I've done some stuff there before. My studio partner, Dave, has. And so before Steak Night came out, it was like Steak Night was coming out at the beginning of February of 18. 18. So in December of 17, Dave sent me something of uh, Sinatra recording a song live, like in the studio. It was uh, when I was 17. Yeah, when I was 17. And so I sent it over to him. He proceeds to tell me how he did like a little quartet show, you know, just kind of doing just these covers and stuff like that for fun. And we're like, man, wouldn't it be cool to do a, you know, a record with strings and stuff like that. So I'm telling Dave, I'm like, man, I think we should do this. And he's like, why don't we just have the London Symphony do it and do it at Abbey Road? And I was just like, okay, let's put a budget together. <laughs> and after we like saw the price, we're like, well, okay, fuck it, let's do it. Hell yeah. yeah. And so that's all we did. We were just like, okay. And so even before Steak Night really came out, we were discussing stuff. Yeah. And then we had to stop, not stop, but like in a break of touring for Steak Night, we went to the studio for a week and just started writing songs together. And like, okay, and then let's let's demo him because and work on the parts and everything. That way the strings, he could write the string arrangements to work around, but also thinking we're not gonna tour with the strings, so we still need to be able to play these songs live. Right. And you don't miss them, but when you listen to the record, it's just like a nice little you know. It was strange coming off of the State Night record with basically no pre production whatsoever, and then going into this record where we kinda had to make the record twice yeah. it was like make it kind of like pre-pro at the studio all the way so you could write strings and half of it i didn't even have lyrics to until like we i was writing like in france and in italy like trying to have enough lyrics to fit the no pressure the we use your words <laughs> we changed stuff one day so we did what we did was everybody had practiced stuff and worked everything up so we tracked the band for two days and we were in studio two the beatles room of course of course, duh. And, uh, and then the symphony came in on day three. And <laughs> booking-wise, they ended up booking a show early. And so the guys had to fly out while I was in the studio with the symphony. Damn. So I'm sending them videos while dude, they're I was in. in and, dude, I was like, I because I'd never heard the strings on it at all, right? And so I'm like in Iceland on yeah, a layover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting videos from the strings, London Symphony cutting on this. I never would have dreamed that this is what we would be talking about with an act from Texas. <laughs> dude. Being in Iceland, listening to the London Symphony play their music. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was also the day Me the either. symphony went in was what, like the 48th or 49th anniversary of Abbey Road, like the day the picture was taken. Yeah. The Beatles cross. Yeah, that was really strange. Yeah, that was was, yeah serendipitous for sure. Yeah, McCartney was just in there right before us, and everything working on something. Yeah, we had some guys that were like came over with us to like film the whole thing. They filmed some of our um, tours too, like like filmed some of the European tour, and they came in to film the whole thing. And um, they wouldn't let you. There's a commissary there, and they wouldn't let you film in there because like you never know like McCartney might walk in the door. Paul McCartney was there. Yeah, uh, while was, we were there, yeah, I think I think I think he, he had put up, walked through that he door, had put dude, up a on. post that day. <laughs> yeah. He had yes, put up a post that day that, that he, post. yeah, he I was mastering his like record at that time that he was working on, and uh, he had put up a post that he was in studio. But I would so, totally, the, I would totally way, really kick you quick. off the base, Omar. Be like, yeah. Paul's gonna play. <laughs> yeah, Paul's gonna play. By the way, I almost forgot when Omar joined the band right at the right at the release of Steak Night. 
And so his first recording with the band was in Studio Two at Abbey Road. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the first, yeah, I was eight months into the band, and then when we started doing pre-pro for the album, I was maybe like four months into the band, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit, what did I get myself into?" Like, what helped me out though is that when, when we were writing, uh, you know, just making all the arrangements and everything, Adam was just like, "Just play simple because there's going to be strings over that, so you don't want to make like too many intricate like bass lines or anything like that." And I was like. Hell yeah, that's easy for me. I can do that. Like, yeah, dum 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 yeah. dum. One five, one, five, one five, one five, one five. I want to go back to Abbey Road and record in the Pink Floyd room. That's my next goal. One yeah. more time. That's I want to go and, and, and smoke and that, a joint and watch you do that. And that album, that album will be, be Dark Side of the Moon Pies. <laughs> yes. Wow, that's a brilliant idea. Finally snuck that joke in. <laughs> because y'all don't listen to me. <laughs> Well, I know you guys are going to get to uh, go back over to Europe here soon, right? Yep. Yeah, we're doing April. All of April, the whole month. All of April. Uh, Any specific places you're stoked to be over there or just happy to be back in general? Well, uh, there's a show in London that's been sold out for like four years that we have not played. (laughs) (laughs) Pre-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Because we we never, that's kind of the one for me because we never played London. We just made the record there. Which room is it? Uh, is the Omir? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Omera or Omara or something yeah. like that. And, yeah, and, and that was. Is it a theater or a club? It's. I think it's like a small club theater. Let me get both mics. <laughs> no, um, it's it's like a it's a club thing or a small theater. I know because originally it was just a really tiny club because the promoter was just like, I don't know what you guys yeah, are. Who are you guys? And then we immediately sold it out. So then the first COVID push is what I call it. They. Instantly, like the next, they're like, okay, we're going to upgrade you to a bigger room since you sold out the small room. And then that sold out immediately. Then the COVID push again and just kept pushing this back to instead of us touring this in March of 2020, we're finally going in April of 23. So uh, it'll, awesome. be, it'll be good to do just like club and theater dates. Cause I mean, when we went over there before, we've only been there once. And in Italy and France, it was festival stuff, you know? So I mean, and they were great festivals, but I've well, never what kind played, of like, festivals? What are they? I've never played a festival in Europe, so dude. Okay, so the French one is, I think, what is it? Is it called like Country Music Festival? It's, uh, country, I'm trying to remember. It's country, uh, it translates to. It's in. It was in like Le Puy. Uh, yeah. I can't. I mean, like, I are you remember. opening for Mimes or something? <laughs> <laughs> dude, no. Like they are so, especially the France one. They are so into the culture, especially yeah. the Texas part of it, dude. Like. You and, put, and the I, Confederate. I was wearing yeah. a cowboy hat. I was wearing a cowboy. I know, dude, for real. It's There's like Confederate it's, flags it, everywhere. It was gross. They were like belt buckles. It was so nasty. The There's like, like it, they're selling like uh, Navajo rugs and turquoise rings and like you know cool, they like cool. they're into the culture. I bought one. So I bought a ring. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> still have it. it. It hasn't turned green. And it's like uh, also. They fucking line dance, dude. It's oh, like, oh, god damn it! But they had a whole, a whole dance floor on the other side of like the field of where the people stood. There was like a tower for front of house, and that, and behind that, there was yeah. a dance floor, and it was just line dancing the entire teams, teams of time. competition line dude, dancing. We just did yeah. Spain, Spain. We did In Spain a couple sets. weeks ago. Not a couple weeks ago. It's blowing my mind right now. We did Sp- yeah, Spain was July as a one-off. By Dude, the way. Yeah, we did yeah. a one-off. We did a one-off in Spain a couple months ago. Flew in, <laughs> flew in Friday, played wow. Saturday, flew out Sunday. What's yeah. the guarantee on that? What's the good? <laughs> You're guaranteed to sweat, not sleep, yeah, dude. Yeah. So they lied. They lied. They had line dancing teams in between every set. So like the band, one band would stop, and they're like this line dancing team would go, and they would dance like five or six times. 
with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> the um, I, there's definitely a, a difference in the European crowds and the U.S. ones. I've noticed. It seems like they're more, um, like they listen more. I don't know how to say it, but like more intently. Like they pay attention to the lyrics more. It seems like. So we like would play a song, and then as soon as we stop, they just go crazy. When we start again, they would just sometimes would just be like, <laughs> you know, just like really, really paying attention. If you guys notice how like the difference of the crowds over there, as far as how they react to your music, I, or, I feel the same way. I mean, but they're 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 just very excited, excitable people. On yeah. I think in general, like um, like. But also, we've just done solely festival dates. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. but they all know it's fun. They all know it's crazy. Like they know the words more than people over here know the words. Sometimes it's like they they don't even speak the language and they're singing every word yeah. back. It's wild. Yeah, well, I guess they don't get a lot of Texas sacks over there. So when they do, they have to like do their homework. <laughs> yeah, they wear their they little they, they wear their little cowboy hats. Yeah. It's like all the, the bachelorettes downtown in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my gosh! First yeah. time we played there in, in France, uh, we didn't pack merch. Uh, to go there because it just costs too much. Yeah. But we get there and there's already a line of people. They've already bought all the merch online. And so, yeah. And then it's, yeah. They, then you sign. So, like, dude, that was crazy. They put you in a little box. Okay. It's like a with, fireworks stand. It's right? like a fireworks <laughs> stand, but they have the, they have the little the thing down, like yeah, the curtain thing booth. down. Yeah. And so, like, uh, essentially, they put you in there and they give everybody a Sharpie and then they open the gate or whatever. And just people are going nuts, man. And just, I mean, there was 200 people just like waiting to get something. Where did y'all get signed. this? And yeah. then we also had that like press conference too. Oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about what, that. What one. a country music press conference. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Dear people of France. Like what was yeah. that? <laughs> there was, you know, they had to have I a translator. Oh, the barroom buddies though, dude. Yeah. They had to have a translator there. It was awesome, dude. I forgot that even happened. That's met, cool. Met Johnny Paycheck out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sick. The, the French Johnny Paycheck? Uh, Spanish. Spanish. Spanish, yeah. Spanish Johnny Paycheck. Yeah. Wait, what's that story? I'll, I'll show you a picture in a sec. <laughs> like, he literally <laughs> looks like Johnny Paycheck. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's his Pictures band. do really well on the podcast, yeah, so that'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's this little band called I the said Johnny Paycheck, right? <laughs> That's like, so uh, funny. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. They're really bad at doing it, but they love it so much. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I've never seen y'all live, and I know you guys are playing at D's tonight, which is a secret show that you guys just posted about. So yeah. uh, <laughs> this is this will come out tonight for sure. Um, so what's a, what's a Mike in the Moon Pie show like? Dude, I don't know. I can't explain. I don't. I, I don't even. I, I'm not really there for that. So you speak to that. I was gonna say it's high energy and just. <laughs> I mean. Mike, you know, goes through and, and kind of just sets the set list. Everybody looks at it and we just go for it. And everybody's just kind of knows. You immediately know whatever set he puts together, the segues between songs. We don't do like dead that. air. Yeah. There's and no ballads. No dead air. Really? No fucking ballads. No, there's, there's ballads. <laughs> but but there's no, that's our thing is no dead air. It comes from doing those, those uh, dance hall sets. Shows, yeah. yeah. So it's like just bam, 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 bam. So we just go. Yeah, you can't lose them. Yeah, 100%. Right on. I know we like we build in a lot of like, if we play the song going into the song, this is how we transition, totally. that, that kind of stuff. Just so stuff you're like not that. sitting there with your thumb up your ass, like waiting for a guitar dude. change or something. Yeah, I can't I can't do that, man. I see I see bands doing it and it makes me cringe. Oh, yeah. Dead yeah. air stuff. There's been 10 seconds? Like, yeah. No, no. Yeah, we do it. Like, we'll come out and play like four or five songs, like, Right back to back to back, and then maybe we'll do like a quiet vamp. Yeah. While like Luca will be like, "Hey guys, thanks for coming out." Like that kind of shit. Yeah, dude. I have like those little spots that I know are my are my banter spots, mm -hmm. and that's about it. 
If there's ever dead air, I always make sure I'm tuning out loud. Dude, I relate to that so much. It's awesome. <laughs> Some of our guys, they they'll just like do it during the song, drop D. I'm listening to the board tape. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my favorite is that like we'll have you know five or six shows in a row on the same set list. And then you'll get used to it, and then everybody's thinking, "Oh, there's a new set list," but they don't they don't glance down to realize, "Oh, we're going Until to a different late. song next." Yeah. And you'll hear somebody count one off or like grab the wrong guitar really quick, and then no, it's no, like, no, 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 no. Mike said Mike said that like last weekend. Like there was one where he was like, "No, no, 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 no." In the PA. Oh yeah. The talk back. Talk back to the ears. And then Taylor counted one in. This is like we had switched, and he counted. He goes one, two, three. I've I've definitely had that before. Our drummer has counted songs off when he just had the set list wrong, and it's like, and then we start playing the song, and it's like twenty BPM too slow, (laughs) and we're like, "What the fuck is happening?" Well, we're in it now, man. (laughs) Yeah, slow build. (laughs) Yeah, I've also have grabbed a wrong guitar before and started off a song. It's like in A, but I'm have my half step down guitar, not realizing it. And then the band cucks, kicks in a half step higher, and it's just like like a flashbang went off on stage. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> but they don't do that anymore. So go see them and buy their tickets because they sound good as fuck. Yeah, they're incredible. They're so good that they've been invited to debut at the Ground World Opry tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, yep. Yeah, yeah, our local the crowd is going wild. wild yeah, here. look at them go. Uh, Bill is wondering if we want drinks. Yeah, anything. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> We're at a bar, sure. so yeah. pour them. Um, Shots. <laughs> so give us the whole, you know, I'm playing the Opry spiel thing. What's How's that make you guys feel? Uh, validated. Confused. That's my word. Sexually. <laughs> Sexually confused. Frustrated. Uh, <laughs> I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to do this. <laughs> I, I mean, is, is it, I know for like people, at least in Nashville, it's a big deal. Like, it's like a huge honor. And I've had some friends say like, my ultimate goal in my music career is to be a member of the Opry. And um, I just, I don't know, people in Texas feel that way. I, so. I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest about it. I have not, not felt that way in the past. Yeah. Like it wasn't, you know, I mean, I've known the Opry and, and I'm excited to step into the circle and For do sure. all and say all the words, you know. I yeah. need to see the perks, um, you but, know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, a like if, I'm, if I'm in the club, what really happens? I just hope they know? fill the rider. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think they kind of like, Large I, mean, I love the Opry, but it's also, it's like, if you're a member there, they're like, okay, cool. You know, uh, it's this whole pomp and circumstance. Do and I get like in free whenever I want? Dude, I've or, never been like, good at that pomp and circumstance <laughs> thing. And, yeah. and like, and like, I know, like, when you've been a member, then you have to like, you know, there's a, you have to do it every, have so many yeah. times in a year. Yeah, and stuff. That's why, you know, like Hank Williams wouldn't come and do it, dude, and they kicked him out. It seems like a lot. He was also dude. like, yeah, there's on drugs, <laughs> but, there's a few yeah. other things involved. But yeah. yeah, so I definitely think it's like, like I love the Opry and playing it. Like I was. Like I was telling Zach earlier, I, like my hands were like literally shaking, yeah. you know, and it, there's all the history and all the incredible stuff. But I think like it can be a lot, especially if you want to be a member to go and like 
play essentially like a free show, right? Like once a month or something. Yeah, I mean, I did. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to get it twisted. Like, I, I'm, I'm excited, that, and I'm very happy that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, but you know, it was, and it's, it has been a goal, but it's more of just like a bucket list notch thing. You know what I mean? Than it is to me. Like, uh, I don't, I don't. I'm not trying to be a member. I'm going to be very cool about it, and I'm going to be very gracious because I am gracious about it. But uh, we're being realistic. I'm not trying. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. When I think when you said uh, validation, in my head, I went through and like, so our families know what we do, and it's a very independent thing, and we're just starting like actual national Nashville radio, like they're picking up on us and starting to spin songs and it's awesome. And, you know, if you're into that, we're, you know, charting and stuff. And, but I think with the, the extended family now, all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, you guys, you know, are this band, but you're independent, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh, now you guys are on the Opry. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this is serious. Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the aunts, uncles, cousins from far off were like, oh, wow, this is something I know of. I've heard of the Opry, yeah. and you guys are on it. Okay. Yeah. Listen so up. you guys are serious. I no longer no- need to go get a college degree. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say uh, maybe, I don't know. Listen up, talent buyers across the country. Yes. Yeah. Because the guarantee is going to go up. <laughs> going up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you listening, folk? <laughs> well, like some of those rooms, I'm sure you guys have had rooms that you've had like as other you know, benchmark rooms or things that you've gotten to play or, or that you're about to play. Like Abbey Road? Yeah, example, for example. <laughs> so, and that's, I think that's a big part of it too, is like that, that Texas music scene and coming from that background, it's not like Nashville is your end-all be-all, right? Like, yeah, 100%. That wasn't like what you, you didn't grow up thinking about, oh, I can go play in Nashville. You're like, oh, I'm going to grow up and play the music I want to play. Yeah. And if that's now led you to Nashville, well, great. I think it, it all, and it always changes. It's like, like when we started it, I was like, okay, I want to play like every dance hall in Texas or I want to do like all of these big, I wanted to play Billy Bob's or I wanted Luke to play Green Hall. I want to headline yeah. Green Hall or whatever. And, you know, those came fairly quick and because we were doing that, we were the Texas, doing the Texas dance hall circuit. Yep. So that that was that was a big one to knock off, and now you know now we've headlined all those spots in there. So now it's it's like when you start touring uh, as a younger band, you do this little circle, and then you expand your spiral out and out and out and out. And uh, now you know we've done the we'll we'll have done the biggest stage in Nashville, basically. You know yep. what I mean? So then. What's after that? You know, I've I've never played Red Rocks. I want to yeah. do Red Rocks. Yeah, Red Rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like kings that. and queens yeah. of small countries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen Kurt play at Red Rocks actually, so he can tell you a little bit about uh, it. Yeah, yeah, man, Red Rocks is fun. It's it's kind of like I don't know, like I when I was growing up, and my goal with my music was I want to pay my bills, and I don't want to have a job I hate. Hundred percent. And so, thankfully, I've been able to do that. And then I've never like kind of like reset my like goals but hearing you guys talk about like we had the london symphony play on our record at abbey road i'm like (laughs) that's like not even something that would ever cross my mind as possible ever in a million years it's literally i I never thought that either yeah it's literally unbelievable it's like you tell somebody these stories like oh what do you do for a living well i'm a touring musician what have you done you say these things it sounds unbelievable <laughs> it sounds unbelievable it's crazy. it makes me want to like reevaluate like what i think is possible you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah. like in a great way i just think it's well that definitely with, awesome. with the abbey road thing that definitely like set a new standard for like okay so we could pretty much do whatever you know we play it the right way 
play we, D's Lounge. Yeah, one day. we can play D's. <laughs> <laughs> we can play D's on a Monday, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Our next album is live from a yellow submarine. Yeah. <laughs> An actual submarine, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Interesting. Yeah, we could have. Could work. Hell yeah. Well, what else you guys got coming up here? Obviously, the Opry tonight. What are we doing after that, Adam? We're I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, yeah, it's over. I, I, I can make it through Tuesday, and then I don't know. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, I had to think about this. Okay, because, of course, we're just like, we can pull this off. We're doing a festival outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Born and Raised. And then at 6 o'clock the next morning, we're flying to L.A., and we are doing Beach Life Festival uh, in Redondo Beach. But besides our own set, we are working with Shooter and doing a Waylon tribute. We're the backing band, and all these other artists are coming in to sing Waylon songs. That's and so, sick. past couple of weeks, we've been working on that and figuring out keys <laughs> past couple for days. Yeah. Yeah. Last couple <laughs> days, yeah, last couple of days. We've been the, past couple hours, hours. the past couple of tomorrow, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's so funny because like it's on the to do list. We know, like, <laughs> gotta get through like, the Opry first. <laughs> yeah, gotta get through the Opry. Yeah, but I already hit them this morning because uh, Chris Shiflet texted me and he was <laughs> like. Dude, fuck off. <laughs> anyway, dude. Well, well said. Dude, I mean, it's just, it happened. Uh, Name drop. Yeah. He was, because he's doing the Opry tomorrow too. He's debuting in the Opry. And so he's, hey, I'm coming in tonight. And so I texted the guys. I'm like, well, he's doing one of the Waylon songs. So let's just make sure we have it in our back pocket because he's probably going to come out to D's and we'll jam a song with him, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just, it's the, I don't know. That's, whatever. Dude, you guys are cool as shit, man. That's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, we're gonna do that, and then probably stay the next day for Beach Life and uh, watch Wilco. Yeah, I want to see Wilco. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I want to see Wilco side stage. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I've seen them out front a yeah. hundred times, <laughs> which was also crazy. We played a festival in Oklahoma. Was it last year that um, Sun Sunvolt? The Sunvolt, and yeah. so we got to watch Sunvolt side stage, which was fucking amazing. Dude, Jay Farrar I mean, watched our whole set, man. It was awesome. Yeah, dude. they're back I there was watching us. Out. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's I just cried. <laughs> Unrelated, but yes, yeah. Oh, and, awesome, then, man. and then in October, we're doing 15 dates in October with the Vandaliers doing the Southeast just because they're just a fun band we love. And so yeah. we're like, hey, why don't we just do some shit together? And why so, not? Yeah. Bunch of stuff well, like hell that. yeah. I think that's one of the best parts about like being independent and like building it from that way is that you can just literally be like, yo, this is what we're doing. Book yeah, your, dude. Right. Book and your if party. someone tells you no, you'd be like, no, nah, this is a, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's super cool, man. It's it's great to hear stories of like what that looks like. And I think you guys have been doing it long enough and well enough where it's like, yo, here's how we're gonna do it, and no one's gonna really tell you no. I got to say, my favorite thing of it all really is that I know and I have to work with or deal with bands that have some sort of distribution or label that is always like, okay, cool, they made a record and now they got to sit on it for eight months. Right. And Sometimes so, and longer. we're the ones that are like, well, man, when do we want to put it out? Ah, let's put it out in like a month and a half. Okay, cool. Boom. Well, dude, done. before the Cheap Silver record came out, that whole record was a secret. And like, we had people signing NDAs about like not talking about that record. Having my big mouth about that shit all the time. It was crazy was hard to talk thing. about. It. I told everybody. I, I, found, yeah, yeah, I yeah. found out too late what NDA meant. 
<laughs> I didn't sign shit. <laughs> Posting selfies like in Abbey Road. Yeah. That that was the hardest thing. Is like, okay, everybody, don't even like mention we're in London. Yeah, it took you a know, year that. for us to like post up our pictures. We had to like wait a whole year. Yeah, that was <laughs> tough. I and forgot we were great pictures. And and we did it in a way like we knew we weren't going to tell anybody about it. And we we're just going to drop it. But also uh, Joe Hudak at Rolling Stone, like we had told him and we're like, if you're interested, like, would you want to write an article? Basically be the liner notes. And as soon as this record drops and we were on the West Coast, as soon as this record drops. Pickathon. At, yeah, we were at Pickathon, yep. Yeah. Um, that Rolling Stone article comes out and then we tell everybody we made this record. And it just so happens. And, and the first song on that record, Cheap Silver, the first thing you hear is the symphony. So it's like no doubt when you hit play on that record, it's the uh, you hear the strings come in. Ninety percent of the people just turn it off. Like what? Yeah, yeah that ain't, that ain't yeah, them. Like, yeah, but it was great, you know, because it was just like then we could have all these pictures. Fuck Go off. to sleep yeah. to it every night. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's that's incredible. That's I'm very envious of that, but very cool. Yeah, dude. Well, I think appreciate you uh, guys joining us for this, man. It's been it's been super fun. Yeah, I hope you guys get to do more uh, on location things at bars. I'll come back and do this anytime. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> tell us which bar will be there. Yeah, more Bloody Marys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you like Bloody Marys, the ones at Martin's Barbecue up on Fourth are my favorites in the city. Somebody just told me that yesterday too. Great. I'm gonna have to do that now. Great bloodies. All right. Good stuff. Well, yeah, thank you guys so much for, for coming out here to the Country Politan. What a beautiful space. It is yeah. amazing. Our, our new podcast studio. It, <laughs> probably not. But. Bill, thank you. Thanks for letting <laughs> thank us you, do this here. <laughs> great yeah. location. Yeah, if you're in Nashville, Tennessee, you got to come check this place out. It's great. It is awesome. And uh, thank you guys for taking time out of your busy week to talk to us, idiots. Thank you. Thank you for having us, man. I appreciate it, guys. It's, uh, Thanks, guys. It's been a blessing. And uh, if you haven't caught a mic on the Moonpie show, it is time. Yeah, yeah, sure is. Get on the road, maybe in Europe, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Opry tomorrow catch night. A, yeah. Catch a flight. Yeah. <laughs> Opry tomorrow night. Uh, oh, about two, two weeks ago. Yeah, 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 two weeks ago. Very vague. Yeah. <laughs> you should go to the Opry even if they're not there. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm Nikki T. I'm Kurdo's on. And we'll see you in the front row. Drowning